people is everything or our people are, is everything to bring it front and center. The buildings are just buildings. They're shells. Without the people there, without the energy, without the excitement, without the camaraderie, without the challenges of working together and the success of working together, it just, this situation highlights that people are what it's all about. I'm Adam Connors from NetworkWise and your host of Who's Who in HR. Ask any successful CEO about the most important aspect of their company and they'll inevitably answer their people. And who is it that's responsible for their people? It's human resources. In fact, HR is the backbone of any elite organization. They attract, develop, and engage top talent, progress culture, secure and manage important benefit programs, make sure you're appropriately paid, protect the best interest of each employee and the company, and so much more that quite frankly often gets taken for granted. On Who's Who in HR, I'll have in-depth discussions with well-known human resource leaders who offer insights into who they are, how they got there, and the areas they support. During our conversation, these leaders will reveal beneficial industry advice and innovative trends in the HR space that's contributing to keeping the world's most successful companies at the top of their game. My guest today, Joan Moorhead, has worked in HR across several industries, including healthcare, retail, education, and real estate. Listen in as she shares her seven-piece pizza of the employee experience and how impactful visualization can be. Let's dive right in. Joan Moorhead, welcome to the show. I'm excited for this conversation. I'm excited for the energy. And I think I might even be a little more excited for the feedback that we're going to get on this because I know it's going to be good. No pressure. Okay, thank you. Uh, Hey, for those, if for some reason someone doesn't happen to know you, who are you? Give me a quick synopsis. So I'm a human resource professional. I started my career many years ago in the construction industry, which allows me to take a look at flow from start to finish of a process and have had the good fortune to work in several organizations in the human resource and administration realm. And I just really enjoy working with people and helping them to create their best career, to be their best selves, and to get fulfillment out of what they do every day. We spend way more time at work uh, than we do with our families. Although in our current situation, (laughs) we're spending a lot of time with our families while we're working. So that's becoming interesting. I call challenge. I don't believe that you like working with people. (laughs) Yeah, that's, it's interesting to me because I'm on a college campus right now and there's lots of buildings. And usually we have hundreds of students and employees, both faculty and staff on the, in the environment. And I was in the office this week on Wednesday and there were about seven people that I encountered during the entire day. And it really goes back to maybe what some people placate, which is people is everything or our people are, is everything to bring it front and center. The buildings are just buildings. They're shells without the people there, without the energy, without the excitement, without the camaraderie, without the challenges of working together and the success of working together. It just, this situation highlights that people are what it's all about. 
so true. And we were going into, even prior to COVID, there's been a, a trajectory of loneliness lately. And, mm-hmm. you know, this has really highlighted that, this situation, because not everybody does have a family or not everybody does have close friends. So I know that might sound like a downer, but I do think that this actually is a plus to come out of the situation because it, it has really highlighted it more. And I think it's bringing that more to the forefront. So when things do level up a bit, that's going to be addressed. Absolutely, Adam. Connections are so important. And it doesn't matter if you're connecting over Zoom, although that is a little more challenging because of the physiology involved in that. But the connections are important. And I hope what we get out of this time is understanding our priorities. I do not miss the running around on the weekends rushing to attend four or five different events because I don't want to miss anything. I'm enjoying understanding where my priorities and, and where the focus needs to be. Yeah, I like that. That's a beautiful thing. So I like to start the show to give give the audience an opportunity to get to know you on a more personal level to help relate, which isn't going to be difficult. <laughs> but with that said, I got this rapid fire, what I call rapid fire section, where I just shoot a couple questions at you quickly and get your answers. Let okay. me know if you're you're strapped in and ready. I am. I seatbelt on. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> what was the last thing that made you laugh? Well, the last thing that made me laugh was probably a question you asked me getting ready for the the, the podcast today. And uh, I can't remember what the question was now, but you said, I'm going to ask you what the last thing was that made you laugh. So that's why it's a memory for me. So you, you brought that intentionality and it was probably something you commented on. Uh, something silly I said. That's actually one of my all-time favorite questions. And actually, when I do a lot of teaching people on how to start and end conversations, and that is one of the best questions that you can ask people for a variety of reasons. Emotion drives motion. So if you can, when you're having a conversation, if you can find an opportunity to get somebody to feel a deep emotion, ideally a positive one, especially like laughing, it's a great way to start a conversation because like mm-hmm. Maya Angelou said, it's not like what you say, it's how you make people feel. So if you can elicit that laughter or even just asking that question, I know that we're not sitting in front of each other, but I'm going to bet anything. I'll put the house, I bet my house on it that when I asked you that question, what made you laugh or the last time you smiled, whether you were aware of it or not subconsciously, you smiled because you thought of that. So try it out yourself and ask somebody when you are in front of them, when that day, magical day does happen, you know, ask them when the last time they made them laugh. So how did you, you know, you are such a fun loving, just great person to be around and talk to. And I don't know if I'd call you a people pleaser, but people like to be around you and bring those positive energies. So with that being said, how do you say no to somebody? Because saying no is a skill. Oh, This is something I actually had to intentionally practice because I do love working with people, playing with people, helping people. And so, and and like you say, people enjoy positive energy, right? So when you share that, people naturally want to have you be part of what they're doing. And so when people ask me to do something that I know is not in my focus area, I've gotten better at saying, I so appreciate you thinking of me um, so highly that you would ask me to be involved. Unfortunately, right now, it's not a good time. Or if the reality is this falls outside of my interest of expertise or focus, then I'll just tell them I'm not able to participate at this time. And I usually try to think of people 
who I could refer them to, who might be a much better match than I am to help them get to where they're going. That's excellent. And I, I need to work on that myself. So thank you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah, this really wasn't for the audience. This was really just for me. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what was one of the nicest things that someone has ever done for you? <sighs> People do nice things for me all the time. I'm just so taken aback sometimes by the generosity of others. Sometimes it's just a kind word and people don't always know when you need it, but it's interesting how it sometimes it happens when you need it most. But I think the nicest thing, I don't, my husband is always just very kind and considerate and does acts of kindness on a daily basis. So I would say it's really nice when my water glass is empty and I turn around and it's full again, just magically, because he saw that it was empty. He knows I'm sitting in front of the computer uh, doing meetings and I can't get up and leave. Those small acts of kindness are probably the ones that make the biggest impact. I don't know if this is something that you're conscious of or not, but even just like right before we went live, you look to help other people or you're looking to engage other people. So I think that you really kind of brought that upon, you brought that out and bring that out to in people. Tell me three things that have happened to you in the past week that you're thankful for besides that glass of water. Three things. Well, so I start the day every day writing down five things I'm thankful for. Awesome. Great. Actually, can I ask you, can we actually talk about that? Because that's yes. an amazing habit. So I'm yep. sorry to, we can get back to that question, but I think this is yeah. even more important. No, it's a habit and I write them down. And I, I had a really good track about three years ago where every day for the whole year, I wrote down the five things I'm, I'm thankful for on that day. And it's easier when you start in the morning because your brain isn't engaged in logical mm-hmm. stuff. So you can be more creative. And then uh, the second year I did that, I wasn't keeping as good a track record. And I went back and evaluated. And I said, what was the difference? And I found that the first year I did it, I had a journal that had the dates already pre-stamped on it with spaces underneath it. Mm. And the second year I did it, it had an open space to write the data. So something as simple as having the format and the organization to fill in made all the difference for me. And even during our current situation, I go back and look and the times that I find, because I'm, I'm not keeping 100% this year, the times that I find I'm most blue, maybe, is the times where I see the most vacancies in that gratitude Ooh, journal. Correlation. I like that. So, yeah. So I just, sometimes I'm thankful for the rain. Sometimes I'm thankful that I had a beautiful dinner with my family out on the deck in Michigan. We don't get to do that year round. And so, or or sometimes I'm thankful that, you know, I've got two dogs to enjoy at a time where we're home a lot and need some distractions that bring us joy. Other times I'm thankful for people that I work with, their kindness, or just them doing a really great job that day so that I didn't have to have as much interjection into what was happening. So there's just so much to be thankful for. And on the days I sit down and I'm blank, which are some days I just sit down, we all get overwhelmed. And I think, oh, okay, I didn't even have to think about breathing this morning. It's an automatic thing I don't have to think about. I'm just really thankful because if I had to think about breathing, I probably would have been dead a long time ago. <laughs> it would have been too much for me to keep up with. So those are the things I, 
I uh, focus on. Wow. So a couple of th- three things that I'm going to piggyback on that. So, so number one, breathing actually is something that I have to focus on. And I actually just read a book called Breathe by James Nestor, which I actually read it and then I read it again. So I haven't done that in a long time. So, so I highly recommend that book for those who are yeah. listening. And breathing is so important on so many levels. So that's number one. Number two, I love the habit that you have of doing the gratitude. I tell people all the time when I'm coaching organizations, I say that, you know, ask everybody how many people think that they control their future. And everybody raises their hand. And I say, you don't control your future. You control your habits and your habits control your future. So mm. that tiny habit that you have of doing that gratitude, of setting your day, that is, is such a, uh, I can't even begin to tell you how good that is for you. And, and for anyone that's kind of in your spheres of influence. And then I'm going to piggyback that with one more thing because I am uh, trying to teach people when I'm about how to build relationships and things that you can do and little tips and tricks and strategies is once you've kind of reviewed your things that you are, that you've got this gratitude for, it could have been a, a movie that you saw that you're really happy about, or you had a good vet with your dogs that you came across because good vets are sometimes hard to find or whatever it might mm. be. Now take that step one more for, take it one more. I can't, again, first day with the new tongue, <laughs> take that uh, further <laughs> and share it with somebody. Who else do you know that has a pug that is having trouble with a vet? Let them know about that experience or that movie that you saw. Share that, reach out to them and just say, hey, I, I thought of you. And that turn, the magic that happens with that, the thoughtfulness, the random note, it, it will really, it'll show up in a lot of different areas of your life. Absolutely. So, what do you say we talk about what we're here to talk about? We had some really meaningful conversations. I like the way that you think. And, and there was something that you said to me, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, about visualization and, and how it improves the employee experience. That's something that I think that we could all learn and benefit from. Do you, do you mind giving a, a high over, you know, like a high level overview of what that means to you? And then I'll get a little more granular in the questions. Sure, sure. So you said it earlier, it's, Maya Angelou says that people remember how you made them feel. And I think organizations would be well-suited to focus on that. Experience is everything. It's employee engagement is an output. And when you're asking people, are you satisfied with your work? That's a result. It's about the experience people are having. Mm -hmm. And when you look at experiences, it's not just in the human resource arena, It's in all arenas. And Adam, when you and I were talking earlier, I talked about it applies to your organization as well. We haven't known each other that long. And when you first introduced yourself to me, you sent a copy of your work. And so that is an attraction tool. And that's where it starts. It starts with attraction. People like big name brands, Coca-Cola and others, when you hear the name brand that's well-known, you have a feeling about that brand that's either positive or negative based on what they've done to attract their audience, if you will. And so your attraction tool, your podcast certainly is a great tool for that and the people that you bring on. Once people are attracted into that sphere, if you will, then that's where the relationship really starts to evolve. And I look at the human resource tools for employee experience in seven pieces. And if you can imagine or visualize 
a pizza and cut it into seven pieces. I know six or eight is easier, but it's really a seven piece in a circumference, if you will. From attraction, then you have that recruitment piece. And that recruitment piece then is where you're intentional about a person or a pool of people for a specific purpose. And so visualizing how this works together helps because then you ask yourself, what's the next question? And the next question out of recruitment is how do we bring them in? So that one person that you said, we think this person has the best chance of succeeding in our organization, of moving this needle forward that we're asking them to do. How do you give them an experience and onboard them so that they're going to be there long-term and perform at the highest level. And that's experiential too. It's for them. It's for you. Then they perform. And that's where you're getting the juice, right? Is in that performance. And a good recruiter will put some of their reimbursement, if you will, or the reward in how well that person performs. They want to make sure that at the six-month mark, at the 12-month mark, that person is giving to that organization what the job calls for, what the organization calls for, and then they get rewarded individually. So that's that next piece. Now we're on the fifth piece of that pizza, if you will. Do you mind? Can I? I'm sorry to interject. Can you, can sure. you just give the pizza number? So like what, what would be number one? Is that... The attraction oh, yeah. or the marketing? And then, yep. Number one is that attraction, that okay. pre engagement piece. Okay. Number two is recruiting. Okay. Bringing them closer into the organization. Yep. Number three would be onboarding. <clears throat> uh, that number four is performing. Okay. Number five is reward for that performance. And rewards come in two pieces they're upside and downside rewards. And we can talk about that a little bit as well. And then, all of that working well together, you retain people. They stay on because they want to. And then there's transition. And transition can either be they're moving to another role inside of the organization or they're transitioning out somewhere else. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And that's all to support whoever your customer is, whoever your intended person is that's going to be a recipient of your goods or services. And in the very middle of that pizza, where, you know, when you order a, a carryout pizza, there's always that little Barbie table mm-hmm. that's in the middle to keep the cardboard from sticking to the crust. And that middle where that little table is, is that give and gain proposition. The organization gives something and they get something in return. The employee gives something and they get something in return. And what the organization gives is what the employee receives and vice versa. So that's how I visualize the the employee experience as a whole. And what does that visualization do? Like by creating that. And and by the way, those that are listening, I would encourage you to go to Joan's her LinkedIn profile because you created this. This is the banner on your profile, which I'd love to ask you about why you chose that as well. Right. So what was your initial question, Ann? I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> you know that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'd asked you about just the visualization in general. Why is oh, that so important? Yeah. So visualization is a critical component to anybody you're working with where you want to achieve a common goal. It helps you point in the same direction. And here's why. Early in my life, I was a, a tutor for adult literacy. And when I went through the program, 
they talked about how in the in America in the 30s and 40s many of us were audible learners and you think about the communication tools that were available at that point in time was radio and then as the computer and the TV introduced itself into society we became a higher majority of uh, visual learners so today about 65% of the US are visual learners now when you look at the difference between adults and children in the K through 6 arena the earlier children are 80% visual learners so we learn to adapt from that pictorial world into evolving and accepting other types of media or information but when you can put a picture in front of somebody then it creates a communication opportunity as well people connect with pictures mm-hmm. and so when i was doing consulting and trying to sell hr services it was really difficult to talk through people couldn't visualize it so i found myself drawing this seven piece uh pizza in front of people and they said oh now i get it and they could see how the cycle repeats how you can get stuck in a certain stage and so that's why i worked with the team i was at with at the time to create a colorful imagery that people could recall and it really helped to sell the services i'm not selling today in inside of my organization to get customers but i am selling principles and ideas and i do have the opportunity for people i work with to help them engage in the concepts that we're trying to talk about to help the organization move forward and you know in hr has been we came out of the days of personnel which was very much a gatekeeper type of role and we can't afford to do that anymore and we don't have to because there's electronic support for us to do that gatekeeping stuff that we can spend our time then not doing things but being with people and interacting and asking the questions like a call I got early this morning one of the people I work with currently said John I've got some questions I want to ask you they called me on my cell phone and in today's world people have more access to each other so that ability to communicate and have people understand each other is really really important super important it's really interesting that you mentioned also and it ties into like this new world of ai artificial intelligence and a lot of people are really scared by it and they're saying oh my god it's going to eliminate so many jobs but actually what it's doing it's actually creating more opportunity for creativity and interaction it's eliminating the rudimentary it's eliminating some of the things that are very systematic like what you talked about so opening it up for more conversation more dialogue more creativity so uh, i think it's something that's very very positive and you can you have the ability to do more of this visualization that you're talking about oh absolutely it's kind of like saying horses going to cars is going to ruin our future and not allow us to do what we did before uh, so it does change but i think in this instance ai has the opportunity to do the work that is tactical and give us information rather than data to work with so that we can have conversations and we can build those relationships so we're actually caring for people with people rather than caring about you know did the document get signed did the paperwork get submitted on time that's all important but there are tools that we can use for that 
And the greatest value that we can add as individuals is being part of that relationship that allows people to do what they need to do in the best way possible. So true. Is there a a knack? Is this something that that you've had to practice to kind of boil something down that could be very complicated, seven different parts, depending on how deep each one is, because there is obviously a lot of depth within each one of these seven slices of pie. How do you make it so simple? Is there a trick to that? Is there a formula you could follow? Is there a book that you read that taught you how to do this? Boy, I don't know. I think there's a quote I love that helps me stay focused from Albert Einstein. And he says, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. I just love that because I think it it speaks to how if you can take the poignant pieces and bullet those or summarize those, you're focusing the conversation around what's really important. So I'll give you an example. The whole attraction piece, what does that really mean? We could probably talk for three days. You could talk about individual relationships. You could talk about your first crush. And that certainly has a whole emotion and imagery behind attraction. But I think for attraction in the context of business, if you will, is the purpose of the company is one piece of it. And then the trust in the leadership. I'm going to say a brand right now, and and people are going to have an emotional reaction to it for whatever their experience was. Enron. Mm. Yep. That's an attraction tool. Now, attraction can be positive or negative too, right? You see something, you're either attracted to it or you're deflected from it. So it's like opposite ends of, of a magnet. But you want that purpose of the company to be really well understood and Simon Siddick does just the best job. I have, I have like a intellectual crush on him. <laughs> Did He's, you hear his interview with, I think it was Tim Ferriss. He did a great interview with him. Oh, no, I have to listen to that one. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. No, that's okay. Yeah. But when you talk about purpose of a company, he uh, Simon talks about the why. And so I've been working really hard when I send messages out to talk about why we're doing something and then what we're doing. So one example is, I'm personally really concerned about our employees who are parents who have school-age children that may not be returning physically to school in the fall. What is that going to do to the work environment? Who knows? When people can't work from home. Now, let's say you can work from home and you have three children that are school-age. You can't tell me that you can work focused attention on your job when your children are at home and they're should be studying and having instruction. And so the why we are looking at this is because we generally have a concern that our employees are going to be able to continue their uh, fulfillment of their work and their fulfillment of their family life. So this morning we sent out a, a message that said, hey, we understand this may be a concern. And so what we're going to do is we're going to bring people together. If you have, if you're an employee that has school-age children, concerned about them, whether or not they're going to be returning to physical schools in the fall, let's talk. Here's the time and the place. You want an invite? Send an email. and We'll be happy to open the conversation. And so we talk about why is because we have a concern and our concern is for our employees. 
Yeah. So and why so, the, so important. Yeah. It's the purpose is really important. And then trust and leadership and leadership comes first because that's who should be setting the example. And even if you're not, Adam, you as a leader in the industry, people watch you. And so your behaviors telegraph and leaders can whisper from a valley and can be heard better than someone who doesn't have that voice shouting from the mountaintop. Oh, another one of your quotes. You know, good. <laughs> can you say you know, that again? Leaders whisper from a valley. Do you even remember that? Or is that just kind of so, like a stream of consciousness? Well, no, it's, it's something that I've, I've shared with a lot of leaders before. You know, you and I do coaching with leaders, right? And the roles that we have. And so what I tell them is as a leader, your voice has greater impact whispering from a valley than one of your employees can do shouting from a mountaintop. And it's so important to remember because we're telegraphing what we expect out of others. And they're listening all the time. You're pulling up in the driveway or in the parking lot. They're watching how you're driving. You get out of the, the, the car. They're watching how you walk into work, whether it's conscious or subconscious. As leaders, we have the, just this, um, a role to uphold I'm sorry. I'm writing that quote down. It's just so good. It, oh, good. So is that a, is that a Joanism or you know, is that another one of these Einstein quotes that you got? I'll, I'll I'll forget about it and have to call you for it someday, Adam. Yeah, all right. Well, I just got to know if I'm giving you intellectual property on this bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Not anybody else's quote that I know of. Let's all put right. it that way. You got to get on top of that because that's gold right there. Okay. Yeah. Hey, what was the best advice somebody ever gave you? Oh, when you ask that question, the first thing that comes to mind are images of my most impactful leaders. And so I think the best advice somebody ever gave me was by not giving me advice, Hmm. but by enabling me to become. Another good quote. And not to mention, I don't know if you realize that, but when I asked you that question, you mentioned that an image comes to mind, mm-hmm. getting back to that visualization. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a conscious an- answer or if it's just something that it just goes to show and to uh, press upon the point of visualization. Yeah, I think visualization is key. And I saw faces of two of my all-time favorite leaders and, and the one person I was just amazed by as we first started working together, he allowed people to be who they were and then amplified it. And I, I, to this day, I just don't even know how he did it, but it was always like what, whatever experience you needed next was there to help you develop and grow. And it was organic. It was not planned. It was not scripted. It was just organic. Mm. That is good. So we're, as we're coming at a time, I've got one more question for you. Okay. And I know that, I mean, you are a relationship person. You've got great networks. You build amazing relationships and I'm sure they've been in, in, in paramount to your career and the careers mm-hmm. of others. It's just as a result of the impact of you being you. I want to read you a quote and I want to know what this quote, what it means to you and just what you think about it. Just go with it. You ready? Okay. Great experience and strong skills won't matter if you can't get in front of the decision makers. 
Would you like me to read it? Would you like me to read it again? No, I no, I. <laughs> so I think the best example of that is a memory of when I was younger and my brothers and I. It's visual again. That's funny. When the Sears catalog would come to the house. Oh, about October. And I have three brothers and my brothers and I would all go to the toy section of that catalog. And we would tell mom and dad, here's what I want Santa to bring us. Or here's what I want for Christmas. Oh, I'd want one of these. And I want one of these. And so when you said, if you can't get in front of the decision maker, I think in that instance, the decision maker was not the parents, it was the children. And so Sears was brilliant when they sent that catalog to the home so the kids could get their hands on it. So they could influence not the decision makers, but the people who had the money (laughs) to help drive that decision, right? Yeah. About what was going to be purchased for Christmas. That is good. That is really good. I like that. Joan, I knew this was going to be a horrible conversation. I knew it was going to be boring. (laughs) And I really knew that nobody was going to walk away having learned something. So I really want to thank you for uh, coming through (laughs) on this. (laughs) No, Thanks for setting up those high expectations, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, in, in all seriousness, awesome. Just a really, you know, some great information. Visualization is so important. Just your insight to the delivery, the way you're thinking about things. And obviously some really gems of quotes that I'm going to now steal and uh, put my name attached to them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's, you have to give credit the first two times you use a quote and then after that you can call it your own. Oh, is that okay? All right, yeah. good. Yeah, no, this is good stuff then. <laughs> I appreciate that. And again, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and uh, being who you are. You make it a great day. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate you. Many thanks for listening to Who's Who in HR. If you're looking to connect with more top-level HR professionals, be sure to log on to NetworkWise.com to find out how you could be part of an HR mastermind group. Also, subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date on everything happening with NetworkWise. In the interim, make it a great day and remember to always NetworkWise. Network Wise.